0: Revelation 1. And we're going to go, uh, starting from 9, and then skip uh, 13 to 16. If you, uh, Warren preached on that last week, if you missed that, I recommend that you go online and listen to that. It's a great message. So um, Revelation 1, starting from verse 9. John, your brother and a companion in the suffering and kingdom and Patient endurance that are our ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis. Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Then down to 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first. And the last, I am the living one, I was dead, and now look, I am alive, forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades, right therefore what you have seen, what is now, what will take place later, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So let's just set the scene. John, the apostle. Most likely the disciple, the gospel says that Jesus loved the writer of the gospel of John and the three letters of John. As an old man had been imprisoned on the island, of Patmos, 60 kilometers off the coast of Turkey, close to Ephesus. And on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, and we know uh, by the middle of the second century, the believers were worshiping on Sunday, at least by the middle of the second century, probably even by, by now, by the end of uh, the first century or start of the, the second century. And so it says, on the Lord's Day. Why is that? Because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And that became so important to them. And at first they, they worshipped on, on Saturday on the Sabbath. Uh, they'd come out of Judaism. But as time went on, it was the resurrection. That was, that was the day. And so on the Lord's Day, John was praying and meditating and probably fretting, <laughs> probably worried. He's worried about those, those churches that he loved, that he spent his life serving, and, he, and he's wondering how it's going to go for them, because it wasn't looking good. There were clouds on the horizon. You know, uh, Nero had done horrible things to the Christians in Rome. Jerusalem that suffered persecution too. Emperor uh, Domitian, Emperor Trajan, other emperors, they they did some terrible things to Christians over those first 3 centuries of the church existence. And then uh, and John on the on this day, on the Lord's day, he'd been exiled out to Patmos, 60k off the coast, and he he was praying, meditating, and probably fretting. How's it going to go? And uh, he hadn't retired to Havelock North. <laughs> As an old man, uh, he, he wasn't spending his time just gardening and going to great power meetings. But on the, on, on the Lord's day, he was praying, wondering how it's going to go. This little island, 12 kilometers long, eight kilometers wide, those churches that he loved, given himself for, dedicated. He was missing his brothers. Some of them had passed on. Um, some of them in peace and some not in peace. Uh, others remained. And they, they were going to suffer so much. He could feel it. He knew it. Some already had. Chapter 2, verse 13, Antipas, he'd been martyred. The beloved Antipas, the, the, the leader, Antipas, they'd got him already. More would come. What was going to happen? And he wondered and he prayed on the Lord's Day on the island of Patmos, his island of exile. Had it all been a waste of time? Had it? Had it been a waste of his life? Should he had stayed with his nets? You know, when he met Jesus the first time, should have he have said, nah, I'm going to stay with my nets. <laughs> so on the Lord's day, he's praying, and in the Spirit, and God spoke to him in this incredible, powerful vision. An apocalypse, which, by the way, doesn't mean uh, destruction, the end of all things. It means a vision, a revelation, an uncovering. And John, in the spirit, he hears this voice. It's more like a boom, like a roar, like a like a logging truck coming at you. <laughs> Whoa! And um, and behind, and, and and he turns to hear to hear the, hear the voice, to see the voice, it says, which is a strange way of saying it, but you know what he, he means. He turns to see the voice, and but what he sees was seven lampstands instead. And um, Actually, there were more than seven churches in the region, but it's a symbol, a symbol of completeness. They represent the churches of there, in fact, of all churches. That's why we read Revelation. It speaks to us as well. So he turns to see the seven, he sees the voice and he sees instead seven lampstands. And the vision speaks to John and John speaks to the churches. And Jesus says, Don't fret, John. Don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. I've got this. I've got this. And John has his vision of the power and might and authority of Jesus. Verses 13 to 16, Warren spoke of this. this. This who Jesus is, full of majesty and authority and power. And not surprisingly, John, just like Ezekiel, just like Joshua, just like Daniel, John falls flat on his face when he sees this mighty vision of Jesus but Jesus places his right hand hand of authority gently on John and, and, and gives him this vision of, and it's a huge encouragement to the old guy, the old apostle fretting over the churches that he loved huge encouragement huge strengthening of John's faith and of our faith, too. It's gonna to be alright. I wanna talk about two prepositions, two prepositions about Jesus from this passage. A preposition is a, is a word that governs you, uh, normally precedes a noun, and it helps express that relationship to a noun. I don't want this to be an English lesson, but, um, preposition like, uh, as, uh, the man on the platform. The, the preposition is on. And she arrived after dinner. The preposition is after. So two prepositions about Jesus. First one is over. Jesus is over. Jesus is over some things. Meaning Jesus is the authority. Jesus is the boss. Jesus is in control. Amen. Jesus is in control. Jesus is over some things. Jesus, firstly, is over history, verse 17, the first and the last, and everything in between, the first and the last, verse 8 says something similar, the alpha and the omega, the very first and the very last letter of the Greek alphabet, and everything in between, Verse 5, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. The rulers thought they they were in charge of, of the faith, but actually Jesus is in charge of the kings of the earth. He's over. He's over our prime minister, our government. Jesus is over. He's over. He's in control. He is the boss. Jesus, secondly, is over the now, the present, verse 19. Write therefore what is now and what will take place later. The things now and the things that will take place. Jesus is over that too. Don't be fretting over the now, John. Don't be fretting over the now. Church. Jesus is over it. He's all over it. There's <laughs> a famous story uh, in Pilginton folklore. My elder brother in uh, uh, working beer at the church as a preschooler, and he somehow climbed right up the ladder and one of the little old ladies was saying, Oh, that's dangerous, you have to come down off the ladder. And he his reply was it's all right, my daddy's up there. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right, our daddy's up there, even now, even in the future. Jesus is over the future, the things to come, the unseen things. We we don't actually know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. There's a story of a man, of a policeman called Bob Vernon, Bob Vernon, and he was a Plain clothes polic- uh, policeman working in LA, uh, him and his partner, and they got a call out for a, a brutal robbery. And they tracked him uh, tracked down, this guy, to a motel. They go to the office and they describe him and they say, Do you have one of your guests uh, that fits this description? And they say, Yes, well, actually, we have two. Uh, we have a guy in room number two and a guy in room number 38. So Bob and his partner, they say, well, let's, let's uh, hit number two first. So they go up to number, they go to number two and the door's open and there he is. So they go in, uh, his back's turned and go in, pulls his um, uh, gun from his holster, Magnum 357 and says, Bob says, police officer, Freeze. The guy in the kitchen actually doesn't freeze. He goes down, and, they, and Bob can see as he's, um, he's turning around, and he's coming back. He's reached down, grabs something. He's coming back towards him. His hand is on the trigger. His partner has a slightly different angle, and he says, Bob, don't shoot. <clears throat> what had actually happened was uh, the guy was peeling a potato at the sink. And when um, he hears police officer, he turns around, a guy with a gun, he loses control of the potato. And for some he goes after the potato. <laughs> it doesn't freeze. His partner is sees it from a slightly different angle, and he sees that. See, but Bob had to trust the angle that his partner was seeing it from. And we have to... Trust our God from the angle that he's seen it from. That even the now, that God has an angle that we don't have. God has a better angle on things than we do. He's over the past. He's over the now. He's over the future. He's even over death. He's in charge of death. Verse 18, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. The devil thought he had triumphed with killing Jesus, but in fact, the opposite. Jesus had triumphed over death through his death, and Satan is livid with anger, creating a ruckus, and you just imagine the devil, Cussing and cursing. He's got away, he's got away, and he's got the keys. But Jesus is Lord over all, over history, over future, over the present, over death. Over all. That's the first preposition. Over. Jesus is over all things. Preposition two. Among. Jesus is among. Among. Among the lampstands was someone who looked like the Son of Man. Someone like the Son of Man. This was Jesus' favourite self-designation. This is the way Jesus liked to describe himself, the Son of Man. Someone like the Son of Man was among the lampstands. Jesus is among his churches and his uh angels there, seven angels, whatever that means. Uh, the scholars uh, debate about it. could be messages, messengers, human, angelic, maybe his Holy Spirit, but whatever it means, means that Jesus is among his churches with helpers. Amen. Jesus is over history, over the future, over the present, over death and Hades, but he is among his church, his churches. That's both comforting and confronting. Comforting in that Jesus is amongst us. He's not just above us, he is with us. It is comforting uh, confronting in that what it says is how sacred, how tapu is the church of God. Jesus is amongst his church. So, kea tupatu. Be careful. He loves his church. Be careful with his bride. He loves her. One Corinthians 3:16. ana. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit Dwells in your midst. Now, English is not so good as other languages here because the "you," when we see "you," we often think one, but that "you" is not one. That is a plural "you." Kor Koto, you. Do you not know that you, Koto, you plural, are um, the temple of God, and God dwells there with His Spirit. And I don't actually find Revelation scary, but I do find this next verse scary. 1 Corinthians 3.17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. uh, To me, I find that scary. Be careful with the bride of Christ. Wonderful comfort and incentive, and, and the other. Jesus is in the midst of his temple, wandering around. And you, plural, are that temple. So we have a slide here of the uh, five places where the New Testament describe us as a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, back in the Old Testament... There was a physical temple. And in the New Testament, the temple was described in, in another way, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But four out of the five occasions, the you is the plural you, the, the koto. 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Peter 2 verses 4 and 5. Take a picture of that if you want. Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 22 2 Corinthians 6:16 6, for instance it says for we are the temple of the living God and God has said I will live with them I will walk among them and the, here's the one example of the singular 1 Corinthians 6:19 where you are the temple of the Holy Spirit so don't be sexually immoral so four out of that four out of five that's that's eighty percent the you is plural Right? But guess what we do? We mostly concentrate on the you singular. You know why that is? Because we are influenced by the culture of our age. We individualize everything. But if we're biblical people, it's mostly about you plural in terms of the Holy Spirit. Mostly it is. Jesus is mighty and powerful he's in command he's over history he's over history he's over the now he's over the future he's even over death and Hades and he is amongst us oh you know one thing I wish is sometimes I wish you could see from my angle (laughs) and Courtney's angle that actually you can see the Holy Spirit working on people eh? and and it's amazing Um, And sometimes we don't see it, but he is, he is, he is. Uh, At the end of time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And some will do it with great joy and excitement, but others will not because they don't know him. But you have that opportunity today if you want to say yes to Jesus. If you don't know him, if you have not said yes to him, or if you walked away, you need to say yes again to the one who's over everything and the one who is amongst us. We worship him because he is over all. We love him because he's amongst us and he walks with us. Amen. Yeah, let's pray. Mm. Yeah thank you mighty God thank you mighty God thank you for your word we thank you for Jesus part of the three part of God the Trinity and that you are overall and even in scary times we're wondering how it's going to go that you, you've got it you've got it you're overall you're in control you're the boss doesn't surprise you praise you for that we want to say yes in faith to that, and we love you because you are amongst us, help us to have that uh, awareness of how tapu your church is, that you love her, you protect her, you want the best for her, amen, amen.